Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. We greet you in Jesus' name. Bring you greetings from Mount Hermon Congregation. And, uh, you know, I always find it exciting to get around and see what's going on in the rest of, uh, with the rest of God's people. The title for my sermon is, this morning is, You Can Begin Again. You can begin again. You know, a new year is when many of us who have tried and failed make new resolutions. We promise, make promises to ourselves that we often break a month later. We prom- promise to lose those 20 pounds to stop that bad vice or that bad habit. Um, a new year carries promise and hope. It's when we stop trying to earn last year's money. And in many ways, we can start all over again because it's a, a mark on the calendar of life. And there's something about that it brings new vigor to us because we say, okay, I can start again. It doesn't matter that last year we wrecked a car or that our best friend passed away. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. But um, even though those things have happened back then, we, uh, we somehow look at the new year and say, you know, this year, perhaps this will be a better year. Well, this is not a new year. But I would like to tell you this morning that in the spiritual realm, now is the time to begin all over again. There uh, is a, a verse from 2 Corinthians says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That... Uh, That's not only the now to begin a walk with God. It is the now to begin again where our walk has failed. But it does include it if you have not walked with God and your life is messed up and you're tired of the same old, same old Today is the day to start. Turn with me, if you would, to Lamentations chapter 3. And while you go there, I would like to read you verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Not just once a year, but every day we can begin again. I would like to talk to you a little bit before we read any more there or or go over that um, about a few examples of people who have begun again. And um, I'm assuming that you're fairly familiar with, with the examples in the Bible, but if not, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. There was the prodigal son, and I, I suppose most of you know about the prodigal son and how he, he demanded his inheritance, and he took off and went and spent it all and wasted it all, 
And one day he finds himself in the pig pen and he was so hungry he would have liked to eat the, the husks the pigs were eating. And nobody gave him anything. And he decided that it was time to go home. And then there's, uh, there's Job. Um, we don't find him in the pig pen, but we find a rich man who, who through a circ- some circumstances in life lost everything. And he had to start all over again, as it were. There's Jonah that um, God tells him to go and preach and, and uh, Jonah decides he didn't like the job God gave him and he runs off and he finds himself in the belly of a big fish and um, he thinks it's all over and God gives command to the fish and the fish spits him up and Jonah has a chance, a second chance to obey God. There's Peter we talked about. Well, we didn't talk. We sort of talked about him in the Sunday school lesson this morning. How that uh, um, he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came back to him. And uh, at the end, when he had risen from the dead, and he says, um, Peter, do you love me? He gave him another chance to start over. There was the woman at the well. She'd been married five times. And um, Jesus gave her another chance to get her life in order with him. There was the demon-possessed man at Gadara that... Um, that was so bad off and so so um, so possessed that you couldn't even tie him down with chains. And um, Jesus freed him from that. Gave him a chance for a new life. There was John Newton, the slave trader who had a godly mother, but he left it all to go and, and uh, get involved in some of the most despicable parts of, of life. And, and one day God got a hold of his heart. He had a chance to start over. I'd like, I like to tell you this morning, we don't have to stay in the rut that we're in we can start again. Now, if you're at Lamentations chapter 3, I'd like to start reading again at verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I think I'll stop reading there. We can begin again because because of the character of God. Verse 22 tells us about his mercy. 
It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Mercy is when, when we are not given the evil that we deserve. Jonah was a bad prophet. He deserved to get eaten by the fish. But that's not what God did. He received God's mercy. God chastened him, but he didn't destroy him. And you know, he became the most effective prophet on record. Wherever else do you find a prophet going out and preaching and everybody repenting? You don't find it anywhere in Scripture except for in Jonah. That wasn't because Jonah was so good. It was because the people were ready to repent. However, we don't know. I have wondered if maybe the story of Jonah got to Nineveh before Jonah did. And, um, and you know, maybe these people heard this story about, uh, about this guy who, who ran away from God and ended up getting swallowed by a fish and, and, um, and, uh, they didn't know the rest of the story. And, um, they, they hear Jonah shows up and, 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 um, well, where's this guy come from? I mean, this guy was, there was this guy that was supposed to come and preach to, uh, to us here and here he got eaten up by fish. What's up with that? You know, and maybe Jonah got a chance to tell him. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know how God worked in that situation, but God gave Jonah another chance because of his mercy. We also find God's compassion, verse 22. The fact that he feels with our weaknesses. You know, often these guys who are big and, and have a, a tremendous um, um, position or, or wealth, or, or whatever, they don't often feel with us poor guys down on the bottom level of the ladder, do they? But you see, God is on top, and it says he has compassion. He cares about the stuff that you and I are going through. Psalm uh, 103, is it? I'm not sure. It has a, has a verse there that has often been precious to me. It says, as a father pities his children... So the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So we, we, we can start again because of, of God's mercy, because of God's compassion, and we can start again because of God's faithfulness. Verse 23 God's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And just in case you're looking for Lamentations and don't have an index, Lamentations is hid between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And uh, I find it a little hard to find sometimes instead of, unless I go through the books. But... Um, so we have God's faithfulness, that is, in keeping his promises. You can count on him. What God says, he will do. Now, I would like to, um, I would like to give you an opportunity to share in a few moments. 
if you have any stories about God's faithfulness in your life. God is faithful in being our shepherd. You know, he tells us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it. He goes through the um, all the aspects of how God has been his shepherd. He leads me. He restores my soul. Even though I'm in the in the valley, you're there with me and you provide for me. God is faithful. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Okay, your opportunity. Do you have any examples that come to your mind where God was faithful to you? Some of you have already heard this, but uh, I was impressed a couple weeks ago with his his faithfulness and protection. On Tuesday evening of that week, we were headed west on Route 33, and we had slowed down to turn left onto Bank Church Road. And just about the time we turned, I heard a major screeching behind us, and I finished the turn and looked in my rearview mirror, and there was another vehicle swerving into the driveway that was directly on the opposite side of 33 from that road. I'm not sure what happened, but I think what happened was that this vehicle was coming up behind without realizing we were slowed down and at the last minute cut hard to the right to miss us and, and there were no vehicles coming from the west and so we were able to complete our turn and also get out of the way and uh, we didn't get rear-ended and we didn't get pushed into the path of anything else. and. Uh, but it felt like we could have. Well, the next day was first day of spring, and I crossed the mountain to go over to Mountain View and take Betty Brenneman to a doctor appointment she had. And it was a beautiful spring-like day. And the next morning it was raining. I was glad I didn't have to get out and take her to an appointment that day. But 24 hours after when I would have, when I did take her, if I'd have been on the mountain trying to come home, I'd probably gotten stuck in all the vehicles that got stuck on the mountain in the snow. And so I was glad that the Lord worked it out that that wasn't the day her appointment was. And it just impressed me how often he does work things out that maybe we don't nearly always realize. Yeah. You know, it's a challenge, isn't it, to allow God to plan our schedule? I, I remember um, back years ago when uh, I, I really struggled with, uh, you know, one time I was worked half to death and the next time I didn't have anything to do. And, and finally one day I, I just gave my schedule to God. It was just amazing how things worked after that. I, I need to keep remembering that because, uh, because schedules get pretty crazy. <laughs> so does life. So yes, anybody else?
ago, we had been praying that God would place us where we can be uh, most useful to Him and what's best and safe for our family. And um, we take our placement as an answer from Him on the front row. And now we're shopping for homes. And I don't have anything for sure yet. Okay, very good. Anyone else yet? Well, we heard this morning that uh, God still cares about uh, the life of this church. Mm -hmm. And he's provided a leader for us. That's right. In this church. And uh, thank the Lord for that, for the faithfulness. Okay. That's right. in life that we take for granted that demonstrate effectively the care that God has for us, isn't it? It, uh, it says that he makes his sun to rise on the good and on the evil, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And they seem like little things, but you let a, you let a year get hot and no rain. And we all of a sudden realize how important rain is, don't we? Even if you're not a farmer. And especially if you are one. All right, well, thank you for that. We can begin again because of the faithfulness of God. We can begin again because of the provision of God. When God is my portion. Now, if you look at, if you notice that verse, it says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him? And if you look at the, uh, the original meaning of that word, it is the word for inheritance. That is, God is my inheritance. Inheritance comes from relationship. You don't usually inherit your neighbor's farm. You may inherit your father's farm, but not your neighbor's. And there's something about that relationship is where inheritance comes from. And that means you can begin again because God is your father. Jesus is your savior. The Holy Spirit is your guide. And if it's not, it can be. And you can have that relationship. God is my portion. You know, an inheritance, something of the other person's becomes yours. And, and in, the, in the Christian life, God's spirit lives inside of us. God provides everything that we need for our, our spiritual success. If you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That is, if God did not even spare his own son, don't you think he will give you anything and everything else that you need for your success? When God is your portion, you have the provision of God. When God is your savior, verse 26, it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of God. You see, a savior delivers us from something that we cannot deliver ourselves from. He is a solution provider. That is our God. We can begin again because of the provision of God. The character and the provision of God allows us to begin again. Now turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And... The question is, how can we begin again? If we're going to begin again, how are we going to do it? And um, I'd like to read verses 1 through 16, but I think we'll start with just the first six verses. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision or the circumcision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, um, Paul here, he was, he was talking to an audience that understood the things that would have been important to a Jewish person. And, and he outlined his credentials. He says, if anybody else has something to brag about, I've got more. And, and he lists all his credentials. And so, the question is, how can we be successful if we are to begin again? Now, Paul began again. Paul was a man who, who spent his energies in persecuting the church and destroying Christians. And one day God knocked him flat and he was on the way to, to take out some more Christians and God sent a bright light and knocked him off his horse and knocked him on the ground, and, and, and Paul heard a voice call to him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul responded to that, and God gave Paul an opportunity to begin again. But when Paul looked at his life and he looked at his credentials and all those things that were important to him at that time, he had looked at them and admitted he was going down the round track. He wasn't going where he thought he was going. You know, he, and so if we are to begin again, we need to take an honest look 
at our life or our situation just like Paul did. We need a Damascus Road experience where God's bright light shines down on us and shows our life exactly for what it is. We need to come to the end of ourselves. And if you were in Sunday school class, you know, we, we find Judas that betrayed Jesus. And if you see where he ended up, he, he, um, he committed suicide. You see, when a person comes to a point of suicide, they've come to the end of themselves. The problem is it's a wrong way to begin again because it's not a, it's not a beginning, it's an ending. And, and, and it takes you where you don't want to go. But you see, God gives us an opportunity to, to begin again. It's when you come to the end of yourself, only when you come to the end of yourself can you begin again. That's what happened to Paul at the Damascus Road. Our situations are different, but we all need to come to that place in life. It means if we're going to begin again, we need to take an honest look at our life or our situation. That means getting into the word of God because the word of God is that light that shines into our hearts. It shines into our life. And and I would like to suggest not just a, a pre-chewed devotional, but the word of God itself. Read it, digest it, let it talk to you, let it, let it correct you. It is the truth that sets us free. And we must take an honest look to show how our life aligns with scripture. It is the mirror that helps us to see ourselves. And along with that, asked God through his Holy Spirit to show you where you really are. Perhaps you became a Christian, but you never really pursued a relationship with God. Maybe you just did your own thing and you expected life to happen automatically. Everything is going along fine. Or you thought it would. You can begin again. We must take an honest look at our life or our situation. Verse 7 and 8, we must be willing to pay the price. Paul goes on and says, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's a pretty low thing to count the most important things, isn't it? Just a pile of manure. Paul gave up his old credentials. He gave up his friends. They probably deserted him, actually. But he had to give them up. He Perhaps he gave up his position in his family. We don't know. He may have been rejected. He certainly gave up his position in his church or synagogue. He gave up his old ways of looking at things. And... Um, That's one of the ones you need to be careful with because you see, even in, even when God puts his finger on your life and says you're looking at things wrong, 
often there is there is good to be retained. And the reason I say what I do, I, I think there's some people who who have who have lived a a very um, very religious life, and but the very dead life. And when God wakes them up, and and they come to a realization of who Jesus really is, and where they really are, they sometimes will take the, as the old saying goes, they will throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know what I mean by that? Um, and where we assume, okay, everything I learned from this moment on is truth, and everything I knew from this point back is false, and that's not true. Again, we go to the Word of God and we ask, what does the Bible say? That is the true, that is the true picture. And so Paul did not give up everything that he knew about the Word of God before his, before his conversion experience. But his conversion experience took everything he knew and cast it in a new light so that he could see clearly what the truth was. But Paul had to be willing to pay the price, and so do we, if we are to begin again. We must give up anything that holds us back from what God wants for us, no matter how dear or how precious, and we must be willing to take God's way unreservedly. Picking and choosing what you want to believe is making your own religion. God doesn't give us that privilege. God's way is found in his word. We need to read it. We need to accept it. And we need to practice it. If we are to begin again, we need to take an honest look at our situation We need to be willing to pay the price, and we need to reach out to God in faith to gain his righteousness, verse 9, and be found in him that is in Jesus, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. God calls us to a a new righteousness, a righteousness that, that is not based on my performance, but that is based on my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith in his character. Remember, we talked about his mercy, his compassion, and his faithfulness. And he promised us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins. That is faith in God's character we need to have. We need to have faith in his word. It is God's letter to us. It's where he tells us how much he loves us. It's how, it was where he tells us how broken we are. And we, it tells us how to get the brokenness repaired and how to live a life that works. When we fail to read the Bible, we fail to understand God's righteousness. And if we do not see God's righteousness, we can never see our own undoneness. We, and, and we will fail to take the solution for our brokenness and we will continue to live life in a way that destroys us and causes us unnecessary pain and lands us in a place 
forever that we don't want to be. It takes commitment to believe and to act upon what God's word says. So we need to reach out to God by faith, faith in his character, faith in his word, and faith in his specific direction, because sometimes God tells us to do things that aligns with his his goals for our lives. And sometimes the things God tells us to do don't make sense to us. I remember seven and a half years ago when God told us, you buy that place. It was like, God, I cannot afford that place. But if you you say so, yes, sir. And God has proved himself faithful. God saw things coming we never saw. And today it's paid for. And I don't understand it. I do not understand it. God has a plan for your life and for my life. It's going to be different for every one of us. But if we are to follow through God and and come to a a place of beauty and a place of of um, of joy in our lives. We need to be willing to accept by faith the direction that God gives us in specific areas of our lives. To, begin, to, to, to successfully begin again, to bring our, our, um, our life to a, a, um, into a path of, of joy and rightness, It tells us we need to pursue a relationship with God. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death, if by any means I may attend unto the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is is a very important part of this package is you need to know God. We need to pursue a relationship with God. Tell me how a relationship would work with your wife or with your husband if you only talk to each other every six months. It doesn't, wouldn't work very well. In the same way, we often try to have a relationship with God that sort of goes like this. Well, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to go do my own thing, and if I need you, I'll let you know. It's sort of like the guy who, uh, when he... he um, he, he was talking to his wife. He said, well, I told you when I married you that I loved you, and if I ever changed my mind, I'll let you know. That doesn't work either, does it? And that's sort of the way people, people have a relationship with God, and that's not a relationship. If you want to have a successful conclusion in your life, you need to pursue a relationship with God. Knowing God gives us access to his resurrection power because knowing him results in greater faith and greater faith results in more excitement, if I may say it that way. 
we need to press on. Verse 12, don't give up. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not going to stop. I didn't, I'm not there yet. You see, the Christian life is a journey. It is something to keep pressing toward. It's not something that we can do, have a one-time transaction and okay, now we're going to glide the rest of the way to glory. That's not how it works. It's something we need to, to press on with and seeking God. We need to forget the past. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before reaching forth to those things. We need to let go of the past. If you're trying to lose weight, and I'm trying to lose weight, and we always look back and we think about how miserably we failed, we will have a hard time pressing forward, which is the next point we need to press forward. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, don't look back. Look forward. And another place it says, remember Lot's wife. She was looking back. She became a pillar of salt. And we're going to be stuck, too, if we look back. We need to look forward. Keep our eyes on the goal, whether individually as a church or even as a business. We need to look forward, not backwards. But we should look from the past. We should learn from the past. We can't expect to keep doing the same things the same way and get different results. Verse 16, 15 and 16. Do not go back on what you have already learned and attained to. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So he, he's telling us, it, it, don't, don't, uh, okay, so sometimes we are, we are working toward a goal, and um, progress seems to stagnate. We just seem to be stuck in a spot. And, and so he's saying, even if it seems like a struggle to get beyond this spot, dig in and hold on. Sometimes there's, there's, we're not actually getting forward, but don't slide back. Dig in. You know, when, 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 when somehow you, you're spinning out, um, or if, if, you're, if you're going in the currents of life and you're going the wrong direction and the wind's blowing the wrong way, and at, if you can't go the right way, let down your anchor and hang on until the wind changes, okay? Because that does happen sometimes in practical ways. Sometimes that even happens in our spiritual life where we need to hang on for dear life. So he says, what you've already attained to, don't lose it. Hang on to it. Sometimes we realize that a particular goal or job or situation will never be a winner. 
Sometimes we need to let it go and start again. Sometimes we look at our life and realize we've made horrible mistakes. Sometimes there's devastating consequences. Sometimes there are unmet expectations. And we need to let it go. Sometimes God has new areas of service for us. And he says, you need to let the old go so I can give you the new. It's painful, isn't it? Sometimes it's painful. It's hard. But it's good. It's important to begin again. And just to remind you, we can begin again because of God's character. His mercy, His compassion, and His faithfulness. We can begin again because of His provision. When God is my inheritance, when He is my Savior, we can be successful when we are honest and willing to pay the price of change, when we pursue righteousness and fellowship with God, when we keep our eyes upon the goal, and when we do not give up. Let's have a song. <clears throat>